If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me to the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. The grace of God is for all mankind. Uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 1 through 18, the church has been expanded now. Not just to the Jews, but also uh, to the Gentiles. God had spoken to Peter, a Jew. God has spoken to Cornelius, a, a Gentile. God gave visions uh, to both of these men. God brings the Jew and the Gentile uh, together as one in Christ Jesus. There's no separation. God the Holy Spirit uh, said to Peter, God is no respecter of persons. There's no partiality uh, in God. When it comes to the Word of God and when, when it comes to humanity, uh, be it a Jew or be it Gentile, there's no favoritism, there's no prejudice uh, to any one person or one group. Salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit is for Jew and Gentile. And this is a lesson that Peter had to learn. It's not easy. And he's going to go back and they're going to hear uh, those in Jerusalem that the word of God has been given to the Gentiles and they're not happy with it. They're not content with it. In fact, they come against Peter for it. And yet gone, the Holy Spirit had spoken to Peter. Not once, we're going to see, but three times. And you see, tradition is very difficult. Tradition is very deep. And so my experience coming out of Catholicism, we have those traditions. Some of you have those traditions. And, and I want you to look at the Jewish people. The traditions are very steep. When we go to Israel and, and dusk is coming on Friday and uh, our guides are quick. They want to cut off our, our, you know, visits at various places because they want to be home. They want to be with their families and they follow uh, the law to the strictness. And so God has to get a hold of Peter and he has. And now Peter repeats it uh, to us. And, I, and I'm not against repetition. One of the, the greatest teachings is repetition because we're hard-headed and our hearts are callous and we don't hear and we don't receive. And so uh, we have to be told over and over and over. How many times did we instruct our children? Not once, not twice. It, it seems like forever. My children are all grown up, but they'll still call. And uh, I laugh because, uh, you know, I shared that with them years ago. But they need to hear it again. And yet, remember when we were teens, nobody could tell me what to do. And so the Word of God is powerful and is sharp like a two-edged sword. It's gotten a hold of Peter. And so let's look at verses 1 through 18. And I like the caption in my Bible, Peter defends God's grace. And that's what's being poured out, the grace of God. Unmerited favor. Listen, we deserve judgment, Jew or Gentile. But God in His infinite mercy has given us grace has given us grace. And even when I sin and when you sin, I'm a born-again believer. But I still sin. And the grace of God is there. Don't ever let the enemy bring you down. Now, if you're in sin, you got to take care of it. 
But we sin. I don't care who we are. But we have an advocate, Paul says to Timothy, a lawyer for our defense, and it's Christ Jesus. And so let's begin here now in verse 1, Acts chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea, listen to this, they heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. News traveled fast in those days. In order to go from Jerusalem to Caesarea, it was about a two-day journey, about a 60-mile jaunt. But they walked everywhere. And yet the the message uh, was there. And I, I need to share this. Where's the joy of the Lord? Hey, you mean the Gentiles are receiving the word of God? You mean the Gentiles are, are coming to saving grace? You mean the Gentiles, the power of the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them? Shouldn't they be excited? But it's the other way around. Notice that they're uh, questionable. And so in verse 2, and I want you to see this, when Peter came up to Jerusalem, uh, those of the circumcision, these are the Jews, contended with him. Look at the word contended. It's a very powerful word. Why would they contend? Uh, Shouldn't they be happy? But they're contending here. Uh, The Greek uh, says that these religious Jews, uh, the, the Greek word is diakrino. It's a two-part word, and the first portion means uh, separate. And so the Jews separated themselves at this time from Peter. And the second part, Katrino, or Krino, is, is to judge him. And so I want you to see this. The Jews not only separated themselves, but they judged Peter for sharing the word of God to the Gentiles. And it was exclusively for the Jews only. That's what they thought. And it was in the beginning, but God was doing a purpose and a plan. And that was to get the Jews saved. Salvation is to the Jew first, the Bible says. But now let's take it. Let's expand it. Let's move it. Remember back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the world. Did they forget this? But we're so quick to keep it in. Was it only exclusively for uh, the Jews? The Bible says no. But this was the mentality of the Jews. It is sad because the gospel is free. Salvation is free. And it's to all mankind. I want you to write this down. At the end, we'll share it some more. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 18, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does that entail? Those that call upon the name of the Lord. Listen, the Holy Spirit convicts the heart of man. Man responds to the conviction. Confession is made by the mouth. Yet we say, Lord, forgive me, but it must come from the depths of the heart. Salvation is free, but it must come from the heart. And so a lot of times people give a lip service. I've seen it here at the chapel. People have gone through a divorce. People have gone through a death in the family, and they have to respond. And so they come, and they're hurting. There's pain. You know, the husband died, or the wife died, or there's a divorce that they've been fighting forever. And so they come to church, and that's great. And they come to Christ. Again, that's great. But as soon as things get back to some type of normality, they leave the Lord. Now, the Bible says that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's there. 
But when things get better, we have a tendency uh, to make a separation. And so this is what these guys are doing, separating themselves, listen, from the Word of God, separating themselves from Peter. They're not listening, and they're critical, criticizing Peter at this point. I want you to listen to this. One of my commentaries brought out a strong point, and I'm going to follow on it. They called the Jerusalem church at this point in the history of the church a very primitive church. Now, no church deserves to be labeled primitive. But the Jerusalem church is is exactly that. Why? Because they had no concept of Peter's call, Peter's anointing, or his apostleship. Now, I'm not building Peter up. Each one of us should be apostles. The word apostolos uh, in the Greek means that you're an ambassador for Christ. The word apostolos means that not only an ambassador of Christ, listen to this, a representative of Christ. When people see you, they should see Christ. When people hear you, they should hear of Christ. You should be the example. I should be the example. How many of us here uh, this morning have come to the Lord because maybe you saw your friend that changed? Maybe you saw saw your relative that changed, and they were uh, one of those type of people. You said, no way. They'll never change. But the Holy Spirit definitely got a hold of them. Are we an ambassador? Are we representatives? Peter was, but God had to speak to him. Peter's put in the carpet by his own countrymen and his own fellow believers. There's an outrage here. Peter is to give an account for his conduct, which they judge to be contentious. My question, and this is what the the whole teaching is about. What about the grace of God? What about the grace of God? Let's continue. Look at verse 3. Notice what these Jews said. They said, you went into the uncircumcised men and you ate with them. Now, again, you and I can sit here and we can argue with it. What's the problem here? I mean, you go see a Gentile, you sit down with him, you break bread with him. Unheard of in the Jewish factor. And so Peter, remember, he had to be a a broken man. God had to get a hold of him. And so here in verse 3 is what they criticized him of. They wanted to judge him of. They separated themselves already. How dare you? Listen to what my translation is. How dare you eat with Gentiles? Unheard of. And yet what about the salvation message? What about the Holy Spirit being poured out as it was in the book of Acts in chapter 2? What about the change that comes uh, to a transformed life? What was God doing but pouring out His grace, His love, and His mercy? You see, I struggle with this because I have run into people through the years Well, salvation is for this group, but salvation is not for that group. Who made you the judge and the jury? Salvation message is a free gift. It's to be poured out uh, to all mankind. I want to give you a verse that just spoke to my heart. uh, And I knew this verse and I was looking for it. In Psalm 8, verse 4, New King James. 
the psalmist says, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? The Amplified Bible says, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of earth-born man that you care for him? That's what the psalmist is saying. God should have wiped out even the contentious Jews, but he didn't. He's working with them in their uh, frustration as he worked with Peter. And he's going to describe that beautiful vision that he had on, on the rooftop. And a, a sheet comes down. And all these animals that Peter was not supposed to eat. And God says, what I've cleansed, don't call it common, Peter. He was speaking about the foods, yes, but he's also speaking about man. What I've prepared, don't call unclean, Jew or Gentile. And so many times we fall into this category. Be careful when God's grace wants to be poured out and maybe you're holding it back. Oh, the grace of God will still be poured out, but you refuse. I'm not going to go share with my neighbor. You don't know what they do. Didn't Jesus die for them? Jesus died for Cornelius and the household of Cornelius? Jesus, is, Jesus died for Peter, James, and John. And now this religious sect here, they're kind of frustrated with Peter. How dare you go into a Gentile house? And how dare you eat their food? You have to think with a Jewish mind. Look at verse 4 now. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning. And so people, Peter, excuse me, Peter is going to give testimony. And that's what the repetition is about this morning. From verses 4 through 18, the Holy Spirit, for whatever reason, and I know it's a good reason, had Luke the physician, he's the writer of the book of Acts, to go back and to repeat what God took, what God did and what took place in Acts chapter 10. So important here. God was doing a work. God was moving, merging Jew and Gentile uh, to be one in Christ. And he has to repeat it again and again and again. And sometimes we have to hear it again and again. I, I think you recall when, uh, when I came to Saving Grace, the first thing I, I asked my counselor, Mario, I said, Mario, I'm, I'm a Catholic. He says, that's okay, so am I. And he was, but he had come out of Catholicism. But he didn't tell me that. Probably would have destroyed me. But when I said, I'm a Catholic, Mario says, I'm a Catholic too, Bob. And I go, wow, I'm not alone. And I said, Mario, what do you want me to do now? I, I had some booklets that they gave me uh, for coming to the Born Again experience. But I never forgot it. Mario says, go home and I want you to read the Gospel of John. And so I did. And the next ensuing weeks, I would come back and I'd look him up at the church. I go, hey, Mario, I read the Gospel of John. What do you want me to do? And this is the first week. He goes, Bob, go home and read it again. This went on for six weeks. I go, when am I going to move from the Gospel of John? What was Mario doing? He wanted me to get repetitious teaching. Then he says, now go to the book of Acts. And guess how many weeks I was in the book of Acts? You know, you have to learn these things. And this is what's happening here. And so repetitious teaching, it's good for us. Well, I already know that. Well, why didn't you take charge of it? Sometimes we have to hear it again and again. And I want you to remember your children. How many times you've told them, don't, don't. My grandkids are here right now. 
they're rambunctious. We have a half acre, and goat heads are everywhere. I says, don't go outside barefooted. And every 20 minutes we hear, Aah. and they're laying on the floor and their feet are up. They're full of goat heads. And I go, why don't you listen? And the Holy Spirit says, that's you, Bob. That's you. You don't want to listen. And so it takes a goat head. Look at verse 5 now. I was in the city of Joppa, and so Peter's going to give testimony, uh, praying, and in a trance, a vision, I saw uh, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven, listen, from the four corners, and, and it came to me. So I want you to see, uh, you know, how we put the music up here and how we'll put notices up here. It's a screen. But I want you to think of Peter. That's what he's watching. There's this sheet that comes down. The four corners represent the four corners of the earth. Of what God wants to do here. Remember that Peter's at Simon's house, a tanner. And Cornelius is about 30 miles away in Caesarea. And he's also going to receive a vision. And again, this vision is all about uh, Gentile foods. And yet... It had to do with the gospel. Now, please, understand the plight of Peter. This man has not eaten uh, unkoshered food. Everything he partakes of is kosher. When it comes to the meats, when it comes to the dietary products, uh, when it comes to the vegetables and the fruits, he was, they were very strict. I want you to write this down. In the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 8, verse 8, there are seven things that the Jews were supposed to eat. They were supposed to partake of wheat, barley, uh, the vines, which included the grapes, uh, the figs, the pomegranates, the olives, which included the olive oil, and then honey. Seven essentials. And then there's certain meat products. And, and again, it was very strict for them. And if you have a Jewish friend, and they come to visit you, be kind and considerate. Don't be, you know, cooking pork chops for them. You're going to offend them. You know, feed them kosher food. I don't have a problem with that. And then share the gospel with them. You know, be it kosher, unkosher, you put New Mexico chili, it's all over. Don't worry about it. Look at verse 6 now. When I observe it intently and considered it, Peter's given testimony. I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. Peter saw the animals that were forbidden to the Jews. You want, you want to study Leviticus chapter 11. Very strict laws for them. In verse 7, and I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. I want you to think of Peter's heart here. Very Jewish man. Followed the law to the, to the T. We've mentioned Peter over and over. God's preparing him with the foods that he's going to see. But he's also including the Gentiles. Because Peter has to get through the food process first. Very difficult for him. Uh, you know, we can respond, well, what's the problem? You have to have that Jewish mentality. Look at verse 8 now. 
And so Peter heard this voice rise, Peter, kill and eat what he's seen uh, in the vision. And I love Peter. Don't don't respond to Peter. How could you do that? We probably would have done the same thing. But he said, not so, Lord. Now, I, I just cannot. People have asked me in time past, Pastor Bob, you ever gotten angry at God? I go, no. You ever gotten angry at the Holy Spirit? I go, no. You ever gotten angry at Jesus? I go, no. Oh, there's been times I've been angry. I go, really? And it's not that I'm afraid that God's going to pounce on me, but I have no reason. No reason to be angry, but I know that there are some people that get frustrated and, and would respond like Peter, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered uh, my mouth. Peter's speaking about the dietary laws, the meat laws, and, and uh, the laws that had to be uh, accomplished and, and fulfilled and followed uh, to the T. But then verse 9. And again, Peter's bringing this all back. This is good for Peter too. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God has cleansed, Peter, you must not call common. Listen to the word cleanse here. What God has purified is clean. I have blessed it. And so, Peter, I've blessed the foods. Listen to this. And I've also blessed the Gentiles. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope and pray that you have a time of prayer when you, before you eat your dinner, before you eat your lunch. It's a good witness. It's a good testimony. I'm not telling you to go from Genesis to Revelation in your prayer. My grandchildren are here, like I said, and I'm bragging about them. But, oh, no, Grandpa's going to pray. They want to eat. And so I turned to my grandson, Robbie. I go, Robbie, go ahead and pray. Jesus, bless the food. Amen. Let's eat. It's over. It's done with, you know. And so you have to be sensitive. But uh, let me ask you a question. I don't know where you all go eat. Different restaurants, different burrito stands and whatever. Do you know what's going on in the back? I don't. But you better pray. Lord, bless this. What is this? Lord, bless it. You see, that's why they put the chili on it to cover it all up. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I shouldn't say these things. But Peter, the Lord says, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Verse 10. Now this was done. Listen to this. Three times. And all were drawn up again into heaven. That God had to give him the vision three times. And now he's bringing the vision back. So in a sense, this is the fourth time. And so Peter has to receive it just like anybody else. Why three times? Because tradition is stubborn. Tradition is stubborn. I'm, I'm way up in age now. I'll be 68 this coming September. And uh, I, I can still recall grade school. We're sitting in the pavilion. I told this story many times. It's, it's Friday. Back in those days, you didn't eat meat on Fridays as a Catholic. My mom, bless her heart, she made me a bologna sandwich. And I'm enjoying the first bite. Next thing I know, wham! Sister Antonia Maria, she slaps me upside the face. She comes from behind. Mister, that's meat. And I'm going, oh, spit it out. And then what does she do? She opens my sandwich, takes the bologna out, and I watch the bologna go to the trash. And then she puts the bread back, had mayonnaise. Here, 
but, but my baloney's over there. You know, you don't forget those things. Peter's looking at the sheet. Lord, what are you talking about? What I've cleansed, Peter, do not call common. But the stubbornness of tradition. Look at verse eight, uh, 11, excuse me. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. And these were the servants of Cornelius. And God had spoken also to Cornelius. Peter's heart is ready. Peter's heart's been softened. Cornelius has been softened and ready to go. He's concerned about Peter. He's a Jew. I'm a Gentile. And yet God was putting this together. And so the servants came. And look at verse 12. Now then the Spirit told me to go. Peter is saying the Spirit of God told me to go with them. Doubting nothing. And I think that's one of our biggest problems. We have doubt. We're faithless when we're supposed to be faithful. I mean, don't raise your hand how many times we've had doubt. I've had doubt. Pastor Bob, you have doubt? Yes, I have doubt. Lord, are you sure? And I've questioned it. But you step out by faith. Notice that he says that the Spirit of the Lord came to me and said, go. And he says, go with these men, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. So Peter took people with him. These are other Jews. Now, Peter has seen the vision. Peter has been spoken to, but these guys are following Peter's lead. Peter was like a pillar uh, in the early church. Peter, James, John, Andrew, all these guys, the 12 apostles, basically. But when you look at Peter, he generally would take the lead. And yet Peter denied the Lord three times. Peter was always contentious, and now it's you know, being done to him. And so I want you to think of Peter, how God has just moved on his heart. And so Peter takes these Jewish brothers with him to Cornelius' house again. This is amazing. It should never happen because of the laws, because of the tradition. And yet God had been moving on both hearts to bring them together. I love that. Look at verse 13 now. And he told us, how he had seen an angel standing at his house who said to them, uh, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. God spoke to Peter. God spoke to Cornelius. We shared how God shows us uh, to have faith, how God shows us uh, to have trust. And then God tells us what? To go. To go. When I read the scriptures, and I had no idea that God was calling me into the ministry. I loved the Word of God. It was something fresh, obviously. It was something new, and it changed my life. It changed my life. I couldn't stop drinking. God changed my life. I couldn't stop cursing. God changed my life. Am I perfect today? No. How do you know? Ask my wife. We are in the process of being what? Changed. We're in the process of being transformed. Oh, I can tell you God's transforming me over and over and over. And I catch myself. And then I go to my wife and I turn. I marry Saul. I'm sorry. 
forgive me. She goes, I knew God would get you. I knew. Uh, she doesn't do that. But God sometimes has to get a hold of us. Did Peter forget part of the Great Commission? Remember Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19? It says, go, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them. All nations. That includes the Gentiles. But see, they were content that the word of God was being poured out uh, strictly to the Jews, and it was. But now the transition. And many times we're not ready for transitions. Look at verse 14 now. Who will tell you words by which you and all your house will be saved? And so he's giving them insight. Who is going to tell you the words and the things that are going to be shared? And who should be saved? Who should not be saved? Not the law, not the foods. But God wants to reach all mankind. The grace of God is not just for the Jewish people. The grace of God has been given also to the Gentiles. Now, salvation is to the Jew first. But in all reality, the Jews have rejected. But yet God is not finished with the Jews. I love Daniel Kallick, and he's been here. He's gone back to Israel, and he has a heart to reach his Jewish community. He has a heart. But yet he's not against coming in to Calvary Chapel. He's not against coming into any of the Baptist churches. He'll come on a Sunday. He'll come on a Saturday. It doesn't matter to him because he, he's a changed man. God has gotten a hold of him. Look at verse 14 again. Who will, who's going to tell you words by which you and, and all your house, your household will be saved? And so Cornelius is receiving the revelation also. Cornelius is inquisitive. I, I want to see that. I need it. He's praying. Remember, he's been fasting. God says, I, I hear your prayers, and I see your almsgiving. I see your heart, Cornelius. Look at verse 15. And as I began to speak, this is Peter now. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. The Gentile, as upon us at the beginning. Peter's saying, don't you guys remember what happened in the book of Acts in chapter 2? Don't you remember what happened at Pentecost? We were the 120 in the upper room. The Holy Spirit fell, and on each person, it looked like cloven tongues of fire. There were 17, 18 different dialectas, and as they went out, they were speaking in tongues. And according to Acts chapter 2, verse 11, they were saying the wonderful works of God. And so the various dialects that were there, the various languages were hearing the word of God. They were hearing the marvelous words of God. I like that the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as the Holy Spirit fell upon uh, the, the Jewish believers. They were not believers at that time. Remember that Mary's in there. The mother of Jesus, remember that Mary's children are in there. A lot of people struggle with that. Go back and study it. What happened in the book of Acts chapter 2 is happening now at Cornelius' house. Remember, Cornelius is not alone. Cornelius' family is there. Friends of Cornelius are there. The servants of Cornelius are there. And remember, he was in the military. There was military personnel there. God's Spirit was being poured out. 
And the evidence of the Spirit of God in the early church was the speaking in tongues. It was a sign to them. We know that there's a lot of gifts. When I teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I approximately see about 21. That doesn't mean that's all there are. Uh, there are 21s that I see. There could very well be others. We always should be open. Lord, give me the gift that's best suited for me. And Peter goes on, look at verse 16. Then I remembered the words of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We studied this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. The Holy Spirit fell upon Jesus, and then the voice from heaven came. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then in the Gospel of Mark, Mark writes that Jesus, that the Father said, Hear he him. Authority was being placed over to Jesus. Deity. And then we go to John chapter 1. Jesus is the incarnate God. Jesus is the God-man. It's important to see this because I've shared it so many times with you. You can bring up the word God anywhere. Your workplace, your home, uh, your family. Here's, you know, 4th of July weekend. You have non-believing family comes over and you, you can talk politics. Not a problem. You can talk about God. Not a problem. But then tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father, but through him. Tell them that Jesus is God. Not everybody's happy with that. You see, when they say, I believe in God, God encompasses so much. I mean, people believe God. They say, look at the mountain. They say, that's God. Look at a bush. Look at a tree. That's God. There's so many variations. But when we speak about God, we're speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter is bringing all this forth again, repetitious teaching, but they need to hear it. Peter needs to hear it. Look at verse 17 now. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was, who was I that I could withstand God? Finally, Peter. It took him a while, but he's a broken man now. And I want you to see this this morning. It's not about the do's and it's not about the don'ts. It's a free gift from God to all mankind. For the Jew first and to the Gentile. Here's a good question. What must we do to gain this gift? I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But let's go up ahead before that. What must I do to get this gift of salvation? I know when Christmas comes around, as you get older, things change. My kids buy me gifts. They're wrapped up nice. They come over to the house if they're here, or we go to visit them. And sometimes I, I just I forget. The gifts are there. I might have four or five of them, nicely wrapped, beautiful ribbon, Great, you know, wrapping paper. And then the kids will go, Dad, aren't you going to open them? 
I go, yeah, later. No, no, we want you to open up. You see, the gift is there. Christ is there. He's a gift. But if we don't open it, if we don't unwrap it, and if we don't take it, I don't care what your kid gives you. Dads, you know. There's that tie with one eye in the middle. Dad, aren't you going to wear my tie? Yep. And you get ridiculed at work? What about that tie, man? My kid gave it to me. Oh, okay. It's a gift. But it's nothing until you use it. It's nothing until you use it. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Peter is bringing forth a very important message. Let's conclude the chapter now. Look at uh, the teaching this morning. Verse 18, And when they heard these things, they became silent. These were the contentious Jews. They became silent and they glorified God. And they said, then God has also granted to the Gentiles a repentance to life. I had a great time with this word here. Repentance. I've often shared it. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. And God works that in my life. But I was reading some more commentaries. And so we come to the conclusion here of our teaching. The grace of God is for all mankind. And so the prejudiced heart. These hearts of these Jews are comforted now. They considered all that Peter testified. They saw that it was of God. Praise the Lord for that. They glorified God. They witnessed God and granted, uh, that was granted into the Gentiles a repentance unto eternal life. Uh, the word repentance in the Greek is very important here. It's metatoina. Metatoina. And it's the Greek word, listen to me, that means repentance, a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of direction, but it goes deeper. Also, a reference to a change of religious views, a change of life and conduct, a change from uh, evil to good. Minotoyan uh, is another portion of it, uh, may be used here uh, to signify a change from a false religion to a true religion, a change from idolatry to the worship of the true God. Here spoken of the Jews, it signifies their change from a contempt to Messiah to a reverence for Messiah in the consequent embracing of the Christian church. I have to bring that forth because, you see, we raise our hand. Praise the Lord. And you receive Christ. Again, praise the Lord. But my own question has to be, did it come from the depths of the heart? Was it a lip service? I lost my the boyfriend or the girlfriend. Uh, the wife passed. The husband passed. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm rebounding. I'm hurting. I lost a job, so I come in. You know, there's a lot of reasons people run to church. And that's good. This is what church is about. We're supposed to run to church. But once it's taken care of, I've seen them come here. 
And Pastor Bob, I'm hurting. Pastor Bob, I, I need Christ, Pastor Bob. And we work with him. We work with him, with him. And then six months later, all of a sudden, a new boyfriend. Six months later, all of a sudden, a new girlfriend. Six months later, you know, you get another job, whatever it might be. But uh, things come back to normal. You see, uh, trials bring us to Christ. Trials make us stronger in Christ. But it seems when things are, are doing okay, we can easily lapse. We have to be very, very concerned. I wanted to finish with this. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10. We have a little bit of time. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. I often tell you, uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Paul is dealing with his Jewish people. Paul had a hard time. They didn't want to hear him. Peter had a hard time. They didn't want to hear him. And so I love this portion here. Uh, the caption of my Bible says, Israel needs uh, the gospel. I'm going to read out of the New King James. Let's go to verse 1 now, Romans 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer uh, to God for Israel is that they might be saved. This is Paul's heart. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, uh, but not, not according to knowledge. Very dangerous to be very religious and having all the knowledge, but not knowing God. In verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. How dare us put ourselves uh, above God? How dare us put ourselves uh, above other people? I'm a sinner just like you. And we need salvation. And so this is Peter or Paul's heart here. Righteousness. I was unrighteous. And I come to Christ and now he gives me righteousness. I was unrighteous. I was wrong living for God. I come to Christ. I'm now, you know, right living for God. That's the best way I understood it years ago. Notice now in verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Jesus did not come to destroy the law. Listen, he came to fulfill of the law. In verse 5, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above, who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ from the dead. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. And that is the word of faith which we preach. And then Paul closes the deal. And this is what we've often shared. In verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For what? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture says again, whosoever believes on him will not perish or be put to shame. For there is no distinction. Listen how Paul clarifies it. 
between Jew and Greek or Gentile, for the same Lord over all is rich uh, to all who call upon him. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A simple prayer of faith. A simple cry uh, to the Lord. I, I really had no idea what I was saying. I went up, raised my hand. They made the altar call. There was probably 25 of us. Pastor Raw says, repeat this prayer after me. I'm stunned. I don't know what's going on. Emotions are running 100 miles an hour. I came out of the pews this way, up the middle aisle. My wife went out the other way. She came up the side aisle. I didn't know she followed me. And I find out later, she didn't follow me. She never saw me get up. And what's weird, I love my wife. How come I wasn't concerned? How come I didn't say, hey, come on, follow me? No. Because God was working in my heart. And God was working in her heart. And we were both up there. We were about four or five people separating us. I still didn't see her. I'm crying. She's crying. And then we go back and get counseling. And that's when I saw her. I said, did you follow me? She goes, no, I didn't even know you went. And that's the spirit of God. Spirit of God. He heard our cry. He hears your cry. I've often shared this. Is it enough to say, oh, my God, and really mean it? What if the plane is crashing? What if you see a head-on collision? You've got seconds. What if, God forbid, somebody pulls a gun on you? We're hearing about this now. People going into the church and destroying it. What if you got seconds to cry? Oh, my God. Is that enough? Did it come from the heart? That's what I need to ask. Did it come from the heart? Because the Bible says, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The reason I share this is because in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is teaching on parables. And he begins with the parable of the sower and the seed. And we know the description is four hearts. And we know the seed is the word of God. And it falls on four different hearts. The Bible says only one heart. Four hearts. Only one heart. We see Billy Graham. And we see Pastor Greg Laurie. And they have evangelism. They know it. Billy Graham would be the first one. Now it's Franklin Graham. And sometimes hundreds, hundreds will come up for salvation. And they follow up as much as possible. But not all of them stick. The word of God fell on four different hearts in Matthew chapter 13, but only one heart responded. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26, it speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit begins with love. How can we go any further if agape love is not part of my life? And when I came to Saving Grace, my wife came to Saving Grace, same day, and I thank God for that. Little did we know that he was going to bless us with his love so much. All of a sudden, change. Change just started happening. And that's one of the things that I look for in anybody. Is there change? Is there change? 
you're drinking, you're doing drugs, has it stopped? You're fornicating, you're committing adultery, has it stopped? You're a liar, has it stopped? I mean, very important here. People laugh and they say, why did you pray, Lord, take away cursing? Because I wanted to share with people and I was afraid I was going to curse. Listen, you dumb blankety blank, you need Christ. It doesn't go off very well, does it? God can change a callous heart. God can change a stubborn heart. I was a very stubborn man and I can still be very stubborn. But God. My wife doesn't tell me nothing. Ladies, you know that. She has that look. And that's all I need. Okay, okay, okay. Turn around. Don't do that no more. Look somewhere else. <laughs> but we're human. And it's the power of God that changes. It's the power of God that transforms. Again, the word repentance, change of mind, change of heart, change of direction. Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father. Thank you so much, Lord, for the word of God that will not come back void. Thank you, Lord, how you got a hold of Peter. Thank you, Lord, how you got a hold of Cornelius. And Lord, how you brought them together, how you're merging Jew and Gentile. Salvation is for the Jew first. We know that. But salvation is also for the Jew and the Gentile. And so, Father, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning or listening to the CD later, and they've never made a commitment to Christ. Today is the day of their salvation. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you've never received Christ. Be honest with yourself. If you'd like to receive Jesus, raise your hand real quick. Real quick. And I'll say a, a prayer with you. Anybody, before we leave. Praise the Lord then. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the body of Christ here. Thank you, Lord, for salvation that's come in our midst. And Lord, I, I pray now that you would bless each and every one of us. And Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon each and every one of us. Lord, I ask that you would uh, bless the offerings this morning as you've given to us. We give back a portion, Lord. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And we all agree by saying, Amen.